To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, so I got a solo podcast. I wanted to sit down and record real quick. Um, yeah, it's it's just been an awesome August, and I just want to share some of my adventures with you, share, share some of my successes, and also some of my lessons learned, and just um, some things that are so pertinent to when you're on the hunt. You know, I know you guys, um, you, you probably already started on some of your hunts, but you probably have some other good ones coming up here in September, and I just want to get you the information that's going to help you enjoy your experience more and, and be more successful in the mountains. And so I just want to share what I've learned this season so far. And, and, um, you know, I just had some revelations in the mountains and, and, uh, learned some hard lessons. Um, and like I said, also had some, some successes and, and want to draw from that. And I also, I just want to embrace the experience and then embrace the adventure. Like that's what this whole thing is about is enjoying our time afield, enjoying this, this passion and this adventure that we have to be able to disappear in the mountains and go match wits with these animals. And so, you know, I have some thoughts on that. I want to share with you guys as well. So we'll get right into it. I, um, I've got a podcast coming up on this Alaska caribou trip I did, but that was the first trip I had. And so um, what an amazing trip. Uh, went up there, met my Hawaii friends. There was three of those guys up there. Met my buddy Chase. We had another local guy, uh, Scott, in our camp, and, and we just had an amazing time. Um, man, it, it's so fun. I mean, all three of the Hawaii guys filled out, a couple just really nice caribou. I was able to harvest one the last day and uh, execute a perfect stock and shot on it. Uh, it was just an incredible trip, an incredible adventure. Like, it's just so far away from Montana. It's so different. Um, that, that tundra with the muskeg and the open spaces, and then those caribou, they're just so well-suited for it. Uh, they're like hunting an antelope um, with 400-inch horns. Uh, they're just an amazing animal, and, and maybe we're getting a little bit more of the pressured caribou around that haul road where they've been hunted before. But, but they're switched on to predators. Um, they're as wary as an antelope out on the prairie, looking for movement, looking for things out of place. Um, you know, I had a couple catch me just right in the final phases of getting drawn and getting a shot, like no movement or anything, just pick me out up there. Um, Got to have the wind right. And so it, it was such a, a fun trip. Uh, and it, it's just... um. Like to be able to chase a, a different species and a different habitat, it, it's just amazing. I've always lived for that. I just um, like just different challenges, different species. Like I love elk and mule deer, and you know some of my favorite hunts and favorite species to to go after. But it, it's so nice just to immerse yourself into a different place and a different habitat and ecosystem and try to figure it out and try to be successful. And so. Uh, we just had an amazing trip up there. Good weather, got cold, like 30s and, and uh, low 40s and, and uh, raining quite a bit. And um, uh, 
and uh, wet and cold and um, but gosh, it was it was perfect. Um, you know, the weather kind of knocked the mosquitoes down for some of the days, and and then some of the days seemed like if it got above forty two degrees, they'd get bad. But um, it didn't take away from the hunt at all. Uh, just just an incredible hunt. You you have that. And we hunt that hall road. I've told you that before. It's just such a great blue collar adventure where you're not paying for av gas. You get to use a vehicle and, and kind of be able to have a mobile camp where you can move your camp to get in the pulse of caribou and kind of use that road to locate, you know, different batches of them and, and bachelor herds of them and then make plays from there and even get off. Like you get a mile away from that road. You don't see anybody. You have it all to yourself. It's you versus the caribou. And there's just... There's just some bulls out there that just blow your mind. I mean, 400 inches, 450 inches of antlers, just huge tops. And, man, I crawled in on this one bull and uh, crawled in, and uh, they were bedded on the, on a ridge line. And so I crawled in, and there was, I think there was three bulls there, maybe four bulls. Um, and I could have shot two of them, two of the mediums, but I really wanted that big guy. That, that big guy had to have you know, 40 points looking at me and, and just huge tops. And, and, um, I crawled in and, um, got into range and, and then that big bull ended up working around my bad wind side and, uh, ended up spooking. I didn't get a shot at him. Um, you know, had kind of, a, you know, he was on the outsides of my bow range, we'll say, and, and just wanted to get closer and put a shot on him, but didn't work out. Uh, it's not always going to work out on these stocks. And, and uh, that's why you why you make them. It's not a perfect science, but you're trying to get it as high percentage as you can. And I, I, I love, you know, you guys have heard me talk about these methodical slow stocks on these muleys. It has made me so much better of a hunter. And, and including this year, uh, my muley hunting has just taken my hunting to the next level. And so um, we did that hunt. We did uh, uh, Nevada. Um, went down there with um logan that cameraman of mine we filmed that i just put out that podcast last week um hunting that high country up and through there got a couple chances at those bucks and then um found that nice buck with with good backs down on the sage flat down there and um just just made a uh it was just an incredible stock it was just um crawling in on that thing having not much cover letting um patience and the bucks dictate dictate my move waiting for the right wind to pick up in the afternoon just played it right and then to put a perfect shot on them that was a great ending to that hunt and uh great adventure like that nevada high country um i love that nevada high country it's kind of a a drier high country sits around ten thousand feet there was no water on top which made it really challenging but um yeah you're able to find a nice buck and get a good arrow into him put the whole thing down on film which was really cool which is just an added degree of difficulty, but, um, so fun. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting better at, at getting the right shots and sharing the adventure. I'm just really excited to release this one to you guys. And then, and then on to my trip I've been waiting all year for. So my trip to the Colorado high country and, uh, man, oh man, what an adventure it was. And so, um, I planned on this being a solo hunt. I actually haven't, you know, I'll, I'll do solo hunts here and there and some weekends. And I, you know, I, I'm trying to think of the last true solo, you know, high country hunt I've done. And it's been a couple of years and I need more of that. It's good for me, but it's also good to have a partner. And so Logan, um, you know, he, he, uh, he wanted to come along in Colorado and uh, take photos for me up there. And so we worked out a deal. And, um, so he came along with me. It's kind of like a guy, um, it's kind of like a guy, 
you know, I'm going to climb Everest. Do you want to come along? <laughs> you know, I've, I've been training, you know, every single day. And, and for that matter, you know, I've been training for the last 15 years for this hunt. Like I, you know, I, I trained so hard for these backpacking hunts because I know how difficult they are. And, and I mean, you guys that have been on these hunts already this year or going on these hunts, like you, you have to relearn your lesson again. Like it's, it's so tough in the mountains, like in your mind plays tricks on you up there. You know, you, you have to i mean it is the true testament of mental strength it's just to to keep believing in yourself keep believing you can turn up bucks keep putting those miles after miles like you know i I love working out and i love running i love being in the mountains bow hunting and even my mind still plays tricks on me and i you know i've been through this for years you know but you still you get up there and you gosh you start thinking oh man oh what about work did i did i make that phone call i wonder how everything's going you know and of course you know you'd it seems like if it can go wrong while you're up there, it does, you know, and, and, or you start thinking your family and how much they mean to you and this time away from them. Um, but, but all this time has been planned for, you've been planning for it all year. You, you've put the, the, the people in place. Like I've, you know, I've left the business in good hands. I've got guys on job sites every single day. Like I'm not leaving a train wreck and same thing with my family. My, my wife and kids support me 110% to go on these adventures and they, you know, they, they realize what it means to me and the, and the, the passion I have in my life and it makes me a better person and, and, and I'll get into it. But I mean, this, this Colorado hunt gave me such great reflection in my life. Like it was almost like crystal clear looking at my life. Like I was able to, you know, I, I was able to kind of see my direction and where I want things to go and how I want my life to be structured. And, and, you know, not only do I want to be, you know, a, a next level, hunter and and next level backcountry bow hunter like I've worked my life to become this like it it means the world to me but you know I I have to transpose that like how you do one thing is how you do everything and so you know in my life like I want to be you know next level general contractor like I you know I want to make sure that I'm I'm giving my clients the absolute you know best deal I can and I'm working as hard as I can and, and giving them the absolute best product I can and and, and that transposes into my family life too. And it's, you know, making sure I, you know, I want to be a next level husband and a next level father. Like I, you know, I, I say I'm, I'm never tired. I always get in my runs. I always get in, shoot my bow. I always get in my training, you know, that, that should go for my life and, and my wife and kids. And it does, but I can, I can be better. Um, I can improve and it's just, um, you know, it's, it's stepping up to do the little thing, you know, you know, uh, for me, like, I, you know, just helping out more, like trying not to be tired when I come home from work, trying to have real quality time with the girls and, and laughing and joking around and, and then, you know, help out whether it's, you know, cooking dinner that night and giving my wife a break or, um, whether it's, you know, clean up after dinner, just picking up the house or, or running the girls in for volleyball or basketball, or just trying to take some, some pressure off the household and just trying to do, absolutely everything I can and and I mean the main thing is just quality time make sure I'm not inside my own head thinking about something else at work like let that shit go um whoops I had to edit that out but let that stuff go like it isn't that that big of a deal like the important things in life are spending that quality time with your family like like each and every minute you have with them just cherish it my girls are going to be grown and gone before I know it and so 
Um, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm laughing and I'm having fun and I'm enjoying my time at home and, and then just being the, the absolute best man I can be. But anyways, these, these hunts give me such reflection on that. And so my family supports me, work supports me. I got people in place like I, and I know better. I know that my mind's trying to play tricks on me at this point. I've been on enough of these backcountry hunts. And so, um, I have done a really good job this year on my hunts of really enjoying myself. Like, you know, this is what I love to do. I know it's tough. I know it's grueling, but I love this. I, you know, I love being in the mountains. I like, there's just like, it's built into our DNA just to touch the dirt and just to live in the mountains and have to deal with storms. And like, man, I, I feel so alive when I'm back there and, and I've done a really good job of just embracing the experience this year and just uh, making sure I'm letting all my stresses go and I, I'm enjoying it 100%. So I've done a really good job at that. Um, you know, you just, like you say, it's it's just, um, it it's knowing that your mind is going to try to play tricks on you. You don't know which direction it's going to try to take you, but you get back there in the mountains and you'll have some other stresses that come up and you just have to put them to ease and say, you know, I've waited, I've prepared for this all year, like I'm giving this my all in here, and so we, uh, Logan, yeah, he wants to come to Colorado, he's uh, committing to go climb Everest with me, you know, something that I, um, I've been training for all year long, and I kind of told him the climbs we had, and it, I mean, it is brutal getting in there, and um, same thing I've told you about um, altitude sickness, exhaustion sickness, and I think Logan had it the first day. We paced ourselves pretty good getting in there, but it's just a bunch of miles and a bunch of elevation, and then you've got, you know, your weight on your pack. Backpacking just isn't easy, you know, and so I know he threw up some water a couple times that first night, had to take it easy kind of that second day. I was a little worried about him, um, but but I mean, um, he did, he did great on the hunt. He kept pushing. He, he stay on the scope for me and watch vantage points, watch bucks. Um, there was a couple times he just saved my bacon as I'd get back, I'd make a play or try to set myself up in striking distance and lose that buck and come, come back and find out he's, he's got the buck bedded or kept his eyes on it. It was a real asset. And then, to just being able to share the experience with somebody, bounce ideas off them. And so uh, I really had a good time with them. So Colorado, um, you guys have heard me talk about these next level bucks and my goals for this year and, um, you know, that I'm going to produce one of these bucks and it's going to happen. And so um, I get back into Colorado. It's a different year this year in Colorado. Um, I'm not seeing bucks in the same locations. I don't know if they're down in secondary living. You know, what I think happened was I think that bad winter the two years ago got them. But I mean, usually where I see a hundred bucks, um, I think I saw nine bucks total on the entire trip and five of which were two points. And, uh, I covered miles and hunted hard, hunted like a madman. Um, I covered all the drainages I wanted to hunt in this backcountry spot. And it, the backcountry spot that I have, it doesn't have endless, you know, backcountry basins. It, it's got, you know, some up on the main ridgeline, but then it drops all into this 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 thick aspen patch down below where, you know, you're going to have a tough time bow hunting anything in there. You can't glass it, can't see it, you have to still hunt it. And, um, but the bucks just weren't there. It, uh, it, it wasn't the same. Like I say, I saw nine bucks total on the entire trip where normally I'd see 109. Um, but it's just the way it is. There's still deer around. I saw fawns like that place is going to recover. It's going to come back. And, and two, it's an opportunity for me to go learn new spots in Colorado. I've hunted three different units. I've hunted, 
you know, I know six or seven times in Colorado, but it's time to branch out and kind of get out of this area I've been in for a long time and, and look for some new spots because Colorado has some awesome bucks. But um, so my goals for this year to kill a next level buck. And so I get in there. Um, I'm not turning up any bucks. I mean, the money basins that I'm counting on, I can't even find a buck in them. But finally, I turn up this group of bucks. And one of them is just the one. I mean, the one I've dreamed about, you know, for my whole hunting career, but especially for the last year, you know, I've killed some good bucks, but um, this one's right up there with them. Like um, things 34, 36 wide, deep forks front, deep forks back, like over 200 inches, just the one. So heavy and so wide, just looks at you, just takes your breath away. I got a ton of video of them, and um, I found the buck I wanted. So now it's just a matter of, of being patient. And I like when you're planning your stocks, like, I, man, you start to get to a place. And like, I, I think I thought of this funny saying, but it, it definitely doesn't apply to me as I don't have everything figured out in the world. I'm just still learning like everybody else. But it, like right now, definitely after Colorado, after this Montana antelope, you know, I, I've gone four for four. Like, I feel like Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> like, I, uh, like I just uh, I feel like I know what the right moves are and the right moves I can make it. The deal is, is on these stocks. Like I just know what what I can get away with and what I can't and I don't push it. And so like like I you know, I I've, I've been getting into range of these things and I it's been it's been clear to me now like seeing it and number 1 is that wind. And and that wind, like I I learned my lesson again in Nevada. I was trying to hunt these bucks and they were on the lee wind side and you guys hear me talk about the winds and a better understanding of them. I mean, really it's just catching a buck. Like in a good spot with a good wind, but, um, it's just amazing when you have a good wind, you can get away with anything. Like it, I'd take a good wind and wide open country over about any conditions. Like I just, that wind, the wind is what you need. Right. And it seems like when things go wrong for me, it's like, I'm trying to cheat that wind. And in Nevada, I had a couple filled stocks on bucks and I was trying to hunt them on that lee wind side and that wind. So, you know, the wind is pushing against the south side and I'm hunting the north and then the wind goes over that south side and then just swirls over there. And and normally those thermals coming up would do you good. But on that top third of the mountain, that wind's just rolling over there. And so, like, I think the most important factor, like whether you're going to make a stock or not, is that wind and just living and dying by it. You know, you just... You have to you have to believe in it, and there is no that buck's in the perfect spot, but the wind's not right. That just doesn't work. Like it doesn't like almost every time it fails, and so like I've got to learn this lesson. I think I've finally learned it, but you know I I just I I have to believe in it, and it's it's gonna come. You know I'm I'm really gonna have to use it here coming up for for elk season. Elk season, you know, elk hunting has a a lot more swirling winds and that, and I'm gonna have to be really good at reading the winds and and choosing when to make my play and when not. Um, but with these mule deer, um, man, I mean, when you can get a dominant win, like that buck I killed in Nevada. Like I had them in a good spot. I had a good wind, but I started to make my stock and it was so still in those morning hours that I backed out and I waited and for the winds to come up and those afternoon winds, those they're afternoon directionals. When those things come up, God, they make noise around those mule deer's ears where they can't pick out noise or your footfalls as much. It, it just hides so much more and then you're just positive you're not going to get winded. And so, um, 
watch this buck and he's not in a good spot beds gosh we're just looking at him and he's bedded in in a decent spot it's just like the winds aren't right and so i just choose not to go in and we watch this buck we watched him for a couple days there and finally puts himself in a bad spot and um he's bedded with these six bucks and i tell logan i said man i think i can get in on him i got afternoon winds like you watch from the spotting scope i'm gonna go for it and i went all the way around and I, I creep into these trees and I get right into these bucks and I've got a perfect win and I've got two bucks bedded in front of me, one at 30 yards, the other one, you know, is 35. Um, there's six bucks in the group. I could have shot five, the other five of these bucks, I could have shot, you know, five times over. And there was one buck that was a good one in there. He was like mid 180s, maybe a touch more with his non-typical points. He was like a a nine by five or a 10 by five or something. He had a bunch of non-typical extras on the one side, just a beautiful buck. And then another really heavy old one. I could have shot both of those bucks, but I'm, I'm just waiting. And so I wait there a couple hours with a good wind with these bucks feeding around. I haven't seen this big guy for a while. And I'm just waiting for him to come out, waiting for him to come out. And, and finally, like the last place I saw him was in this, this timber. And so I know he's going to come out fairly close to me. And all of a sudden here he comes and, n- and nothing knows I'm there. No bucks know I'm around or anything. And he walks through my shooting lane at 32, 35 yards, something like that. And I draw back and I decide not to grunt and stop him. Like he just keeps walking and then he turns and he walks away from me. And so I'm grabbing ranges, 40, 50, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to see my shot. And he just keeps walking away from me. And then he walks over to two of these uh, bigger bucks that had actually gotten out a little bit further for me, from me. So now they're at, at 60 yards and I'm getting ranges on them. But they're just, he's intermingling with these bucks. And, you know, you guys have heard me talk like effective range. I like to get close and kill them, but 60 and in, that's me. You know, and and uh, so I don't need the ethics police coming after me or anything. But this this buck just kept walking out, and now you know maybe in hindsight you think, gosh, I should have scooted a little closer, or you know should have. You know, bucks had no idea I was there. I had a good wind. I could have kept playing the game, but he finally offered me a shot, and he was at sixty nine, and uh, I know I can make that shot. I mean, my my target sits out there. You know, I I shoot my seventy five yard target every single day, and. Um, so he's out there, you know, he's definitely at max distance I want to shoot at, but, you know, he's there broadside, he has no idea I'm there, and and for me, like, I'd rather shoot at a, at a calm deer that doesn't know I'm there a little bit further than I would a close deer that's on high alert, and so um, here's my chance, my chance I have waited all year for, uh, my chance I have trained all year for, and um, he's standing out there, and uh, I've got a good range on him, and I draw back. And, um, when you drop back on these animals too, like, um, it, it's like almost like you have to tell yourself like a conscious effort to put your pin on them. Just, just a trick I've used now, nothing, nothing that would happen on this deer. I mean, my pin settled right on them, right where it should center a body and just held there like, a, like a rock right where it needs to be. And, um, I executed a perfect shot, uh, put it on them and I just see that, that arrow, and I just watch it wind drift and the the bucks facing to the right. And I watch this, this arrow just wind drift to the right. And I mean, I, I should know better. Like I, God, I shoot the wind every single day. I live in Ennis, Montana, for God's sakes, the wind's always blowing here. And I know how much a five or 10 mile an hour wind can affect a broadhead at 69 yards. And, um, I, 
caught up in the moment, the devil's in the details, whatever it is. Like I was planning for a shot at 30 yards or at 50 yards or whatever the case where you just don't have to deal with much wind drift. And where I was at, I was tucked in these little um, like uh, stunted growth trees or whatever. And so the wind wasn't blowing where I was at. It's part of the reason my bow held so steady. But right out in front of me, I've got those afternoon directionals and I'm got, I've got like a, a probably a solid 10 to 15 mile an hour crosswind. And I just didn't account for it. And I shot and um, I watched that arrow wind drift and miss him right by the front of his bit brisket, you know, good up and down, just missed him in the front of him. And um, man, just a killer. <laughs> God, I hate to miss those things. Um, and especially the one you want, the one you've been after, the one you've been training for. But you, you can't have shots back. He ran out there to 120 yards stared at me and just looking at him through my binas like what an amazing specimen I mean just the absolute one and I I mean um you know you're you're upset at yourself but you know in the same breath it's just like man it's such an amazing experience for me to be able to get to match wits with a buck like that and hunt a buck like that on public land um that is truly something special and um but that, you know, they sat out there at 120 yards. I didn't move a muscle and let them kind of work down below me. And they ended up spooking and going out. And uh, I watched the last place they went. I watched them for like a mile and a half where they went. It's got a good direction on where they went. And, uh, yeah, I just missed them. I mean, um, devil's in the details. Watch that that arrow wind drift. Um, you know, you, you think you've thought of everything and then there you are in that moment of adrenaline and you just, you just make a mistake. If I would have, you know, bubbled all the way over, if I would have aimed back a little bit on them, you know, it'd be a different story, but it's just not. And, um, you know, it's just one of those deals. And so buck takes off. And so, um, we look for that buck for a couple days, any basin he could have gone in, maybe he changed units, maybe he dropped down into the Aspens into secondary living, you know, who knows? I just couldn't, I couldn't turn them up. And, uh, I checked every drainage I could walk to up and through there, glassed everyone. Um, I, that was my shot and, um, it didn't come together and it's, you know, it's, um, man, I mean, it, it gets to you. I, I hate missing, you know, I, uh, it's something that you want so bad that you've worked so hard for and then to miss them clean. But you know, it's the reality of it too. Like I told you guys, like I'm never going to be a hundred percent with my bow in my hands. There's always things that can happen. There's always things that can go wrong. Bucks can jump your string, be wind drift and be some, a bad range of detail, like as good as I want to be like, um, you know, hopefully someday I'm in the 99% or the 95%, but for now, like I, I'm shooting really good and making clean kills, but I just messed that one up. I totally duffed it. Um, and no matter how upset you are, like it, it's, you, you can't have it back. You can't have that arrow back. Once it's released, there's nothing you can do, but you can learn from it and pick yourself up. So I, you know, I'm pretty low in there, but then, you know, I get looking around and I, you know, I'm 13,000 feet in Colorado. I've worked so hard to get back in here. Like I'm on the place, I'm in the place that I've dreamed about hunting for, you know, I haven't drawn it since 2015. And so, you know, I've dreamed about hunting this spot for three years. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to pick myself up and, you know, the next time I get a shot, I'm going to make it happen. And, and, and so that was my mindset back there, but it was tough. I just couldn't turn up that big buck again, started traveling country and looking over different drainages and there just wasn't many bucks to be found. It was tough. And 
finally this one morning I, I turn up this nice four point and he's by himself and um so I look at him and I go now I'm gonna I'm gonna pass and so I pass on him and then we end up working up the ridge looking over a couple more backcountry basins and I'm looking at like three of the best backcountry basins you could ever put eyes on and I I just can't find a buck and I I look for the majority of the day and it starts getting into the afternoon I turn and look at Logan and it's like, man, like what, like, what am I doing? Like, I love to bow hunt and I love to bow hunt mule deer. And there's a mature four or five year old deer down there. Like, you know, Logan, I think we should go hunt that deer, you know? And it's like, it's, you, you almost have to adapt your expectations to the conditions you're given too. And like, um, you know, maybe I could hold out, maybe I, maybe I turn up another good buck or another one of those next levels, but it's a good mature heavy buck down there. And, you know, if he gives me a shot, you know, I, I should give him a try. And so, um, man, it was a fun hunt on that buck. We went back down, sat there for a couple hours trying to relocate him, didn't know where he'd gone or where he'd bedded and, and then, um, turned back up back there and, um, watched him get out of his bed and feed around and man, hunting those mule deer, like, um, Okay, sometimes hunting axis and elk, you have to hunt them on their feet and hunt them while they're feeding. And mule deer too, during the rut, I hunt them on their feet a lot. And um, even during the early season, like this is a lone buck and I just figure, man, he's on his feet. He's going to be on his feet for a little bit. I'm going to try to slip down there and arrow him while he's up on his feet. Man, it is such an advantage to hunt a deer in his bed or to bed down, you know, whatever it is, whether it's an axis deer and elk, but especially a mule deer in high country. I tell you guys about bedding them, waiting for their, them to get to their second bed, but you can just make such a precise stock when you know where those deer are, you know where they can see, they're not going to move, and then you can just tiptoe down into range. But I try to make it a stock on this buck in his bed, and coming around this limb, I catch him down there, and he's looking in my direction, and so I have to freeze. And I freeze for uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, this thing's looking up in my direction. He must have caught some movement in between the branches or something maybe, or I don't know. I got a really good wind on him, but, um, you know, I think he was just trying to stalk him on his feet. And so he kind of walks down and below me and I lose sight of him. And so I walk all the way back up, climb my thousand feet back up to Logan on the scope. Just like, man, I think he picked me out in those branches down there. And he goes, yeah, he walked down and then bedded down behind this tree. So he must have looked in my direction long enough and just realized I was nothing up there, thought that I was nothing, and he bedded back down in this spot. And so, okay, game on. And so I roll back down and I slip back into to position there. And, man, I mean, I creep right in on this buck. Like I get uh, maybe – 25 yards away from his bed and I've just got a great wind and I've got these couple trees that I'm tucked into this brush and I just sit there and I wait and um, man I wait for like I, I two and a half three hours for this thing to stand back up and he finally stands back up and then feeds by and I, I get a really good 38 yard shot on him and put it on him and I can see he's hurt and he doesn't make it much further we get him in uh, get a double lung shot on him and he dies and expires and um what a what a cool experience i mean i up there and in, in, in colorado like just even to get back to the spot i'm at like it was me versus the deer there's no other hunters around that's like truly what i live for and to be able to to arrow that buck means the world to me and just like a, a really nice heavy good buck and you know I, I i maybe changed my goals a little bit along the way and man i'm, I'm telling you like you you really in life, life, you, you guys hear me talk about like being happy and getting the most out of life and the fulfillment. Like it's weird what starts to creep into your head. Like all of a sudden, um, you know, if I'm being completely honest with you guys, like 
you know, I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed I didn't kill that mega buck. And so, like, I've got to, like, pull myself out of that that funk. Like, I'm I'm in Colorado. I'm, you know, I got to pack this buck out. I don't know how many miles to the truck. Like, I better have a smile on my face. Like, I just did what I set out to do. And, like, harvesting a mature four-point buck is no easy feat. Like, yeah, I mean, it may seem easy for some guys that produce them nonstop, but man, I mean, to go back into the wilderness of Colorado above 13,000 feet, find yourself a four-point buck and stick a perfect arrow in them, that's no easy feat. That's something I should really be proud of myself for. You know, I just had such high expectations, and then and then also, you know, to be to miss that big buck and have that thing and be looking at him for days on end and then, you know, have him slip through my fingers, like, it's tough to compare any buck to that one. Like, that thing's probably top 10 in the world, you know, as far as typicals killed with a bow. And, and so it's, it's tough, like, and, and I battle in that same headspace and in comparison really is the thief of all happiness, like comparing yourself to other guys, to what other guys have produced, like all of a sudden you start feeling like less of yourself or less of the buck that you harvested. Like those aren't the right feelings. Like, and I, I'm just being completely honest with you guys at some of the feelings I had and what I had to kind of pull myself out of. But, um, you know, and you you see these guys, and man, there's some great hunters out there, but I'm on my own path and on my own journey, and I'm on my own path for adventure, personal happiness, um, uh, to, to explore my passion, really have something that fires me up, that has me training hard, and I'm not going to lie to you, you guys hear me talk about next level bucks, next level bulls, like, I talk about it all the time, like, that is what motivates me, it's what keeps me training hard, but, but really, the, the fun of bow hunting is being out there, is is making stocks, it's making plays, it's getting close, it's having those thrilling encounters. Like, that's the fun of bow hunting to me. Um, so I, I do have some of those feelings of, of disappointment, of regret for shooting that buck. And, I you know, I just got to I gotta pull myself out of it. You know, don't compare myself to some of these other giant bucks that are being killed. Like, I'll come up with those too. You know, don't kid yourself. I'm on my own path and on my own journey. But I'm going to bump into another 200-inch buck, and I'm going to get it right. Like, And I'm going to work really hard to do it. And I'm going to use that failure of missing that buck. That's going to be my motivation for the next year to come. I mean, I... I just got back from the Colorado hunt and my feet are beat up and we packed that, that buck out for miles and instantly I'm back on the trails and I'm back running and I'm back shooting my bow and I'm thinking about bow hunting. Like it's going to drive me to be a better hunter. It's going to drive me to, to produce those. And I do like, uh, you know, I, I, I do, I think about those, those bucks and those accomplishments of killing, you know, seven, eight, nine year old mule deer. Like that is what I want to achieve. It's, you know, it's the goals that I've set out for myself, but sometimes the conditions just aren't going to be conducive to killing a buck like that. If you if you can't find a buck like that, you're not going to kill a buck like that. And some areas just don't have them. Some years, some conditions don't have them. And like, um, you know, I could have very easily came back from that that hunt with a tag in my pocket, which I said I was going to do. I said I was going to either going to come back with my tag in my pocket or I was going to kill a giant. And, um, you know, it's the one thing I need to work on too, like not being negative on myself, but in that same breath, like there's improvement to be made, like patience kills the buck and there's, there's all kinds of next level patience. I mean, I just watched, um, Ryan Lampers just killed that giant out of Colorado. He sat on that buck without a stock for seven days and good on him, man. That is next level. That is insane. Tony Treach, he sat on his giant buck for four days. He scouted almost the entire month. Like those guys put in the work. They deserve those bucks. And, um, 
you know, the same for me. I need to step up my game and I need to, to earn one of those bucks. And, and by doing so, like I need to I need to scout harder in the early season. I need to really commit the days to one of those hunts to where it's like I'm, I'm not coming back without the one I want, you know, without big buck. But um, that that being said, like I, I don't want to be negative. There's just, you know, from every hunt, there's positives and negatives and there's lessons to be learned. But, you know, I can't I can't be thinking it have negative thoughts about this hunt that I went and killed a, a really nice, heavy, mature deer. Like you know, I got to be psyched for myself and I also got to be proud of myself. I put in so much work to to get back into this backcountry of Colorado. It was tough conditions. I missed a deer. The easy thing would have been, you know, after I couldn't find that deer to give up. And I didn't. I just kept hunting and I kept looking, um, kept pushing. You know, and I earned an opportunity, and and uh, you know, I put a perfect arrow in that buck. It was a quick, clean kill. Um, some great organic meat to bring home to my family that we had to pack miles out of the Colorado backcountry. Like I had to suffer, and I had to work at it. I had you know trials and tribulations. Like like that's what I live for. That's what bow hunting is. And um, it, it, if it was easy, and I killed a giant one every time I went back in there, like I I probably have to find something else to do. Like I love the challenge. I love how difficult it is and and I love embracing that and like I say we're we're all just on our own journey like I can't compare myself to what Randy Ulmer produces every year like sure I want to produce those bucks sure I find those bucks but um man it just isn't in the cards every year for me yet will it be in the future I hope so I'm gonna keep working hard towards those goals to be able to harvest those bucks but but for now like I have to be happy with myself. I have to be happy with the experience, happy with living in the dirt and uh, living out of my tent for days on end, weathering storms, um, you know, making stocks. And my stock game is just so on point right now. Like I, like I say, I uh, it sounds like um, arrogant or something, but I do. I feel like Neo in the Matrix. Like I just know what the right moves are, and I know when I can get in on a buck or when I can't. And and, and my shooting is 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 going so well. Like I'm. Like I'm really executing good shots, pinpoint accuracy. I just, you know, I I missed one of the details in shooting at that big buck. So, anyways, <coughs> excuse me. I don't I don't want to talk the whole time about um, that buck. It it is what it is. I'm gonna use it for motivation. But I did have an incredible experience in Colorado, and I did enjoy it to the fullest. Like I had some moments there where I had to kind of pick myself up here or there and go. Man, what you just shot this giant this this giant heavy buck and, and and you're upset that you didn't kill a bigger one. Like, stop being such an asshole. Like I just um you know, god dang it. Like, man, you be happy with what you've accomplished. Be happy with your experience and with your hunt. And um I mean, there's no place I'm happier than in the mountains like that, challenging myself and um, you know, you you better enjoy it while you're there. Sometimes you know, I get so driven that I I forget to stop and smell the roses or stop to enjoy the scenery, and I I, I just um I want to continue to work on that and and just just be happy back there, like like have fun and and not have the pressure on myself either. Like um if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, you know. But just have fun with it and get in stocks. Like that's what bow hunting means to me. Um, so, uh, came back from Colorado. I feel really good about the hunt. I feel really good about the adventure. Like, um, it did it. I mean, that is like climbing Everest back there. It, it takes next level effort to get anywhere that high elevation. You're always climbing steep miles. Um, it, it was just so fun. 
um, and a challenge, and and I get to find some new areas in Colorado. But I still got a lot of the season left, man. I got I got a lot of hunting to do and a couple tags in my pocket. And so I got back to Montana. I always do all my own butchering. I love processing my own game. I I love cutting it up, packaging it. Um, uh, made some jerky out of it for the rest of hunting season, and um, but got my buck all processed and taken care of. And then um, comes to the weekend, and um, yeah, it's it's um, open opener here in Montana for deer and elk. Now I I have been gone all of August, and so I you know I've got to stick around, get some things done, take care of some chores and things, but. Um, I can sneak out in the early mornings or sneak out for an evening hunt here or there. So I sneak out for antelope one evening. I kind of look around and I'm real patient at my stocks. I'm waiting and um, my antelope hunting, I usually look for just a good decent one that's over 70 inches. And if he's over 70, then I make a play. I haven't killed an 80 inch antelope yet, but in the same breath, like I really use antelope to improve my stalking skills and I, I, I like playing the game on them and my valley isn't known for giant 80 inchers either. Like, um, you know, our public land parcels that we have here, like if you get a chance at a good 70 incher, you should, you should take it, make a play. And so I go out, I look at some bucks and I don't get any plays. I think that's Friday night. No plays. Oh, I went to my daughter's volleyball game watch that and then snuck out of there while she had to stay and watch uh, varsity play she's a freshman this year and um so I snuck out and went went hunting and got to look at some antelope kind of get out of the truck and make some plays you know on some benches and kind of get close and see if something will kind of happen and nothing really pans out and so I you know I make my walk back put on some good miles and um just just having fun with hunting and so I wake up early Saturday morning and go out to one of my money spots and the the money spots i'm also um i've got some good bulls in there and some good bucks too excuse me so um it's kind of a combo trip where i can glass some some good features and might turn up some bulls i turned up a monster bull in there a couple years ago and so i go back and kind of glass some features in the morning i see some good bucks they're um they're right on private and uh so they might cross on to public they're right next to it and so i thought well i'll go i'll come back and check into them see if any of them bed on that public in there i look around and start seeing a few antelope here and there and i spot this group of bucks and there's five bucks out there and uh, two of them are pretty good ones. There's one that's so thick and heavy and good prongs. And then there's another one that's really tall that doesn't have good prongs. But both of them are well over 70. And so I figure, well, if I get a chance at one of those, I'll I'll make it happen. And so um, I got a good wind. And so I start start making my way towards them and kind of closing the distance a mile, half mile, quarter mile, you know, and they're just feeding this big flat. And, um, and then I find like this drainage that kind of goes into this flat where I can kind of get low and make my way closer to them. And so I get in inside of maybe, I don't know, 140 yards or so. And then I've got to start crawling through the cactus there. I didn't, I didn't stick my knees or my hands in any, boy, is that painful. You know, it's not the big cactus that gets you. It's all like these little tiny cactuses that get you when you get them. Like you put your knee in it. Like the big ones pull out and they're a little painful. They hurt. But there's all these like microfiber cactuses. And you guys that have been in cactus know exactly what I'm talking about. And that stuff, it almost has to get infected and work its way out of your leg if you get it. But I kind of crawl through the cactus and I just kind of get set up and I get to about 80 yards on these things. And then they're just kind of working at me feeding. And uh, pretty soon that that big um, mass buck... um, gives me a, a good quality shot and I mean I, I just put it on him um man it's perfectly executed shot 
Uh, Double Longham, he ran off about maybe 80 yards, 10 seconds or so, and tipped over. Um, so that's how it went down. My first stock on Antelope. Uh, last year was my second stock on Antelope. I mean, I've had years, these things are in the wide open prairie and they're switched on. Like I've had years where I've had to go 20 stocks or 25 stocks where I'm hunting them into September and October. Um, but, but this year it just came together and he's a, a really nice heavy goat. Guy's like 75, like, um, he's right up there with some of the best I've killed. He's not the longest in the world. Like he's only 12 and a half inches, but he's got seven inch bases and really nice prongs on him. I'm just stoked with him. Um, you know, and of course those feelings creep in again. Like maybe I should have held out for a bigger one. It's like, no, you shouldn't have. Like that's a 75 inch goat. Like one of your best goats. Like, no, you get a chance at that. Like uh, you make a play and, and if you get a good ethical shot on them, you put a good shot on them. So stoked on that antelope. Uh, you know, the, the only regret is that your hunting season is over so soon on antelope. Antelope's one of those things that I kind of use the evenings around here to, to kind of, um, you know, hunt them and, and, uh, I get more hunting days in that way. And like I say, it really fine tunes my stocking skills, what I can get away with and what I can't. Um, but you know, I, uh, you can't pass one on the first day that you'd shoot on the last day or be psyched to shoot on the last day. So yeah, stoked. Um, perfect execution, done deal. Um, so I got a couple tags left, Montana elk, Montana deer might pick up another, uh, Idaho mule deer tag, you know, and maybe do coos late. But, um, now the focus shifts to, to Montana elk. So, you know, this is a spot that I really want to improve. Um, you know, I talk about what I can improve on like that giant Colorado muley, you know, everybody's got their line of what they'll shoot and uh, what they're happy with. And in these bulls, I've been chasing big bulls for years. And I, I used to chase them with my rifle. Um, when I first started hunting Montana and turned up and shot some really good bulls. And then, um, I dedicated myself to the bow. Like I think 2007 was the first year I said, no more. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to dedicate myself to a bow and arrow. And the reason I did it is like, um, you keep in a bow hunter's mindset and you continue hunting with your bow, even during rifle season. And, and, and you're always thinking about the wind and the, you're always thinking about, you know, your moves to get close to these animals and you just keep in this bow hunter's mindset and never come out of it. Like you improve and get better. And so when I get these chances at these big critters, I thought I'd give myself a, a better percentage or a higher chance of, of being able to harvest one. And so, you know, I dedicated to the bow after that. I killed, um, I, I killed a really nice 350 bull with my rifle couple, you know, 320, 330, couple really nice bulls with my bow, or bulls with my rifle, excuse me, committed to my bow, and then killed some really nice bulls with my bow, um, you know, I've got some 330 bulls with my bow, and I, I kill a nice six point every single year, and, and I'm proud of that, like, that elk really makes a difference for my family, making it through the winter, not having to buy meat, there's just so much more meat on an elk than a deer, and I mean, I love elk hunting. Like there is nothing more exciting and thrilling than hunting elk during the rut of September and early October. I love it. Um, and, and I, you know, I horn hunted for a lot of years in those early years and I, I still horn hunt a little bit, but I, I went hard and, uh, back in my early days and I, I gained knowledge from it. You, you learn where bulls bed, where they, where they feed, you know, how to glass them, how to look at features. It's taught me so much about elk hunting and hunting in general, but, uh, dedicated my bow, killed some really nice ones with my bow and I've killed a six point every single year with my bow for, for years on it. Like I'm probably going on 10, 12 years. I think there's one year in there where I didn't kill one. Um, but yeah, I, uh, shoot a nice six point every single year and 
but this is the spot where I need to improve. Like I, I don't need to kill the biggest bull in the woods every year. Um, you know, I don't need to hold out for a 370, 380 because I like making plays and I like hunting elk, but I really need to hold out for um, uh, the next level six point. I, I've killed a bunch of bulls now in that 300 to 320 range. Like that's what, I, what I've been killing like the last six years or so. And they're really nice bulls. And don't get me wrong, I'm really happy to harvest those bulls and get the opportunity and have the meat for my family. And it is a an absolute difference maker. But um, I do. I want to set my sights a little bit higher. I want to make it a little bit tougher on myself and um, you know, nothing insane like a nice, you know, 330 bull or so or um, or above and and uh, really hold out for that and extend my season. I've got plenty of meat already with caribou and a couple mule deer and an antelope. I'm sure I'll end up with some, some more deer. I can kill some white-tailed does if I need to, but really hold out for a, a, a good bull one that I'm just absolutely psyched with when I walk up to, and, and not that I'm not psyched with a decent six-point bull. Like, I love hunting elk. You know, here's this this trophy hunter's mentality of me again, and it's it's not comparison to other guys. These are, you know, these are goals that I want to set upon myself, and just like, um you know, I, I, I want to be completely thrilled and excited when I release an arrow on a bull and uh, when I harvest a bull and so yeah I just want to set my sights a little bit higher this year see if I can turn up a good one like I say I still got tags in my pocket a couple tags to and a couple hunts coming up some great adventure I've got the Hawaii boys are going to come out and hunt elk with me again my dad has a, a Wyoming mule deer tag he wants to hunt with his rifle September 15th pumped to go on that with him and share experiences and man Life is just, um, you know, you get these reflections, like you say, like in Colorado when you're back there, it's just what's real important in life. And, and it isn't, I mean, it's not my Instagram account. It's not impressing guys or, or trying to make, make myself out to be the best bow hunter. Like it, it's a personal journey and it's, it's doing right by my family. It's doing right by my friends. It's being a good person. Like it's, um, you know, and so I want to help my buddies out. I want to help them be more successful. I know my buddy Clint and Dan are down in Idaho right now. I wasn't able to hook up with them down there. Uh, so they're down there hunting, but I, you know, I just want to team up every time I have the chance to kind of help guys out and help them be more successful. And you know, I get, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that too, is, is helping my family and friends, um, you know, helping them find critters and helping them find success. I mean, the look on their faces and excitement is, is worth as much to me as, is killing my own. I, I do absolutely love sharing those experiences with them. And so, um, I just, I just want to focus on that. I want to focus on, on having, a um, good experiences, helping those guys out, enjoying the hunts I have left, you know, sticking to my goals, not settling, um, you know, trying to kill a really nice six point, seeing if I can get it done. Um, and, and then just enjoyment of life too. Like, um, really enjoying these, you know, I have, I have such great opportunity. Like it's easy for all of us to look at our life and want more. Like it's human nature. Like we all want, bigger animals and we all want more time and we all want to make more money and we all you know it's like it it's built into our dna we all want more but when you you sit back and look at things like man i have as good a life as i could ever hope for like me as a 20 year old kid trying to plan out my life and what i wanted to be and what i wanted to do like i couldn't have planned it out any better like 
Uh, sure, it'd be nice to have a few more zeros in the bank account, or sure, it'd be nice if I killed that 205-inch mule deer that was 36 inches wide, but you know what? Like, I have opportunity. Like, I get to spend days in the mountains. I get to raise my family in a, this this great little community. Um, you know, I, I, you know I, I've got life by the balls. Like, I've got... Uh, I get to work in the hunting industry. I get to do this podcast. Like I, you know, that's another thing that sitting up in Colorado, it just like, man, being able to, to have this loyal following uh, of you guys that support everything I do and download these episodes and enjoy them. Like, that's just amazing to me. Like I, I've created this out of nothing, just sharing my hunting experiences with you. And I, you know, part of me, I, you know, I just don't want to, I just don't want to let you guys down or put that on the back burner. Like, I just want to continue to just push hard to, to be as good at, at conversation and at podcasting as I can be really tracking down these next level go guests and having these insightful conversations that are going to help you guys be more successful. And, and, um, I just, I just can't tell you like how much I appreciate all the support and like how much joy it brings me to get these messages of you guys being successful. I, I got a message from Taylor and he shot this great buck with this sticker out the side. He actually called me after he shot it and, uh, he was so stoked. And I, I mean, I've got multiple message now messages of, of guys being successful and attribute, you know, some of their success to the podcast. And that just means the world to me. And so like, here I am, I've, I've got all these, these things and I've structured my life the way I want to structure it. I'm getting time. I'm going on more adventures than I could even imagine going on. And I just keep moving the bar. I keep thinking of new places and new spots to go and new States. And like, man, I got to take a step back and just enjoy what I've got. Like, uh, and I'm healthy. My family's healthy. Like I, I'm able to run the mountains like a madman and I'm still able to, to hunt hard with a backpack. And I just, I just want to continue that going and, and, you know, continuing forward. Like I just want to enjoy it. Like I've got a really good life and like, sure. You can always look at somebody that's got it better. You can always look at somebody that kills something bigger. You can always look at somebody that has more money and think I want that. The grass is always greener on the other side. But you better enjoy like where you're at and what you have too. Like it's good to be driven, but it's also good to 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 be humble and to appreciate what you have and and to to look at things and go, yeah, man, I I've got it really good. Like um, it would be a disservice to to all you guys listening, to a disservice to my family if I wasn't enjoying life to the fullest. So. You know, like I just, I really want to put my emphasis on that, on, on being happy, on, on, uh, enjoying the experience. Um, I still want to be driven. I still want to work hard at things, but you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to ruin the experience, you know, because I'm, I'm so focused and so goal driven, you know, it's like, um, man, you, you better stop and smell the roses around the, uh, you know, as you're going. And, and the other thing too, is hunting's always changing. Like we're having to evolve on the fly. Like, you know, I'm used to Colorado seeing a hundred different bucks and now it's changed. I just got to move on and find another spot, but there's, there's always good spots to go find. There's, there's always that next great hunting spot is out there right now. Like you just, you just got to keep going and, and, uh, keep doing your research and keep working hard at it. But, um, yeah, I just, I just don't, um, I, I want to keep putting effort into the things that I really enjoy, the things that make me happy, including this podcast, my, my writing. I've really enjoyed capturing some of these hunts on film and sure it puts an added degree of difficulty on you. You're not just you making a stock on an animal. You've actually got to get two guys into place. So, you know, therefore your, your standards have to lower a little bit too. And, and, um, 
you have to be okay with that. Like it's it's capturing critters on film, and eventually, you know, I'll get pretty good with two guys hunting them and be able to work in and you know hopefully kill some of these next level bucks and bulls. But in the meantime, man, I'm gonna enjoy the journey, and and I just recommend that you do the same. That you really enjoy your time of field. So, um, okay, I said I wasn't gonna make this one long, and I start getting long winded talking about all these things. But um, it it's just uh, uh us being Americans, we have um. We, we have such great opportunity and, and uh, opportunity to make money. I mean, they say, like, if you make, what is it, $30,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of what the world makes. Like, you, you, you're, you're wealthy. And it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like that all the time. As, um, it's tough to make ends meet. Like, life is so expensive. Like, just to support a household and to support kids and to pay your bills is really tough. And then to be able to get free time or free money to be able to spend on hunting gear or something like that. Like, man, it's tough. Especially as like some of you younger guys too that you know haven't haven't made your money yet or you know haven't made your career yet or are still young. But you guys are doing the right thing. Like, um, putting your effort into your passion is is never a bad thing. And it just um, it it makes you a better person. Like um, I got like I talk about. I want to be a next level contractor, a next level hunter, a next level. Um, father and next next level husband like and I you know I owe it to my family that you know I'm gone and they support me like when I'm here I I better be present and I better be working really hard and like (laughs) what I was trying to explain earlier is like um even after work even late at night whatever it is 10 at night like I I find the energy to get myself up and get my run in uh whether it's morning whether it's evening whatever it is and I need to like find that same energy around the house all the time too like being more productive with my time that was something I thought about up there like you know what's sitting in front of the tv doesn't do me any good and yeah there's there's an hour there where I like to unwind and sit with the wife and there's quality time that we spend together and um you know that's a good thing but I I can't get trapped in front of that thing like there's so many things that I can do and get done in in that that evening time and and you know spending time with my kids my wife is one of them but in that same breath like man I can be busy I can be out whether it's reorganizing the garage whether it's it's shooting my boat I I just want to be more effective more efficient with my time I just like if there's an extra hour in the day I want to squeeze something in that I can get done something more and and same thing with the morning just being more efficient with my time and that that early morning like I don't need to sit and drink coffee for an hour like like have a cup of coffee and get it rolling like get going you know and and uh so I I just want to be more effective more efficient with my time um yeah so many thoughts on life here right um you guys are like my therapy session but um these these hunting trips they give me so much clarity in my life like it's just amazing like I could have time to think about my life when I'm sitting here when I'm working away and you think about things but you're you're so you're in it. You can't get away from it, and so you can't like think about it objectively. Like it's like when you're in the mountains and you get some distance and some space. Like you just you just realize like how important your family is, how important your friends are, and like you know. And and then um you you also think about like how precious life is, like how little time you have, and how you better spend as much time trying to enjoy it as you can. But it's like it's like it's crystal clear back there. Like I can step away from my life and almost look at it and like go like, these are ways I can improve. These are ways I can be happier. And like I, I took, I'm sitting right here with just pages of notes that I haven't even looked at during the podcast, but just pages of notes that I, that I wrote down back there that I just think of that it just like 
like these amazing revelations that are going to make my life better. And, and it's fleeting too. Like once you get back into life and you get back into the rhythm, it's tough to think about those things in that same way. And so like, it's a, it's a powerful tool to have that escape that we have. And, and so to, to get back and, and learn these things, like you just, you just come back and want to be a better person. And that includes being wanting to be a better hunter. So, Okay, a couple of the things I've learned just for some last tidbits, some last tips for you guys going into season. Your mind is going to play tricks on you. It, it is going to have you try to worry about work. It's going to have you try to worry about family and things. Just take care of all your stuff before you leave. And then when you're out there, just remember it's your time. Like, um, and, and, and once you're back there, like, um, keep putting forth that effort. Like, um, you, you're so gung ho when you're in that off season or when you're sitting your, in your house thinking about hunting, when you're back there in the mountains, have that same effort, that same excitement, always seeing what's over that next mountain, always be willing to put forth the effort to find your critters. Like you, you feel so good when you work so hard towards your goals and, and then achieve them. Like, just remember that when you're back there, like even in Colorado, right? Like, um, you know, you're not finding, I'm not turning up a lot of bucks. It's, it's tougher hunting, but I just keep pushing. I just keep like, what's over the next one? What's in that basin? Okay. They're not in that basin. Like, what's my next move? What's my next game plan? Like, make sure that, that when you're back there and you're on your hunt, like, man, go for it. Like go hard, like just chase those things around and you're going to feel better when you finish your hunt, whether you tagged out or not, like just going hard and putting forth that effort. Just remember that when you're back there, prepare yourself for it. So your mind's going to play tricks on you. Don't let that grab a hold of you. Don't let it give you, uh, make you give in early. Don't be thinking about things you shouldn't be think, thinking about up there. Like immerse yourself in the hunt. Immerse yourself in the mountains. That's the only thing that matters at that point in time. Like, sure, if you had a family emergency, you'd have to call your hunt early. Or if you know, if you had something happen, you know, stuff can happen that's beyond your control. That that you do, you have to call it quits and throw in the towel. But for the most part, like everything's taken care of. Like no matter what it comes up, like they'll take care of it. It'll be fine like uh focus on your hunt um making sure you're putting forth all that effort up there in the mountains like like always trying to do everything you can do to kill a buck or to kill a bull and eventually it comes together um stalking like man be neo in the matrix (laughs) you um but but seriously like um just evaluate and like trust your decision making like wind is number one like we talked about man you get a good wind or you wait till the afternoon and you got those directional winds like really wait to dial in that wind and then like like stalking is just so about knowing what you can get away with and what you can't like never popping your head like over the ridge line you know, or walking down in the open or, um, like, like if a, a buck can see you, you go miles around to go all the way around them to not just don't take any shortcuts and, and believe in it. And if you make the right moves, those deer, they can't pick you out. Like, like, sure. They're really good at their game and they're really switched on and they are going to catch you here and there. But man, if you just, you stick to your game plan, you've got a good wind and you, you move in slow, methodically. And as you start getting close, like don't rush it, like really be looking around in your peripheral. God, I always screw up that word peripheral. Perfect. (laughs) But be looking at your peripheral out your sides, like to try to catch a buck you didn't see, or if your buck moved or if your bull moved, like trying to catch that coming over the rise before they catch you. Um, like, like just really paying attention to those details and you can creep, you know, right in on those things. Like, uh, um, gosh, my last 
three stocks on mule deer had just put me right inside bow range, you know, 30, 40 yards from those things or whatever the case, wherever my shot comes. But, um, just, just being able to look at it, judge it correctly, know when your time to move is, and, and then, you know, not taking any shortcuts and, and moving in, but, um, pay attention to your stocks and don't rush it in the end. Keep calm and collective. And then, you know, on your shot, just make sure you're giving it an extra few seconds for your pin to settle in the middle. And, um, my shots have been breaking great. Now, I don't want to get into a bunch of release talk again. It's last time I started talking about it, you know, it was 20 minutes and 20 minutes. Hell, it was probably like 45 minutes of talking releases. But here's here's the deal. Like, you, you, you practice hard. You can be good with whatever you practice with. You can be good with a hinge, with a thumb, with a trigger, whatever it is. But you have to make correct practice. So in my journey, I told you guys I was switching back to a trigger release. Um, you know, I... I, I like hunting with the trigger. Um, my shots have been executing really good, really clean. Um, I do notice that I fall back into bad habits really quick practicing with the trigger. And all of a sudden, I'm not as good a shot as I am with a with a hinge or with a thumb. Like, I'm just being honest. That back tension style of shooting is the best way to shoot. It's the correct way to shoot. It's why all those tournament shooters shoot it. And, and to, But in hunting situations, there are times when you need to make your shot go. So, I mean, that, that does still hold true. Now, for me... Like I, I start slipping into bad habits again with that trigger, and so I have to practice the correct way all the time. And so um, I've been shooting with my my hinge a lot, and then I've also been shooting a, a real back tension style with my trigger, and that seems to be working really well for me where I squeeze, squeeze, squeeze as I'm holding my pin on the center of the target and the shot breaks. So correct shot execution, um, but I, I do punch a trigger better than I punch anything else. And not that I want to go around punching, but um, when I need to make that shot go, uh, I can make it go and make it go accurately. And and then if I have time to sit on my shot and they don't know I'm there and I sit on my shot and I pull, 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 it hits right where it's supposed to. So it's been working really good for me, but man, it's, you can make any one of those work good for you. Like you have to find the right thing for you. And I've been hunting with a thumb for the last 10 years and been extremely successful. So it's not me switching releases that is finding me executing. Like I'm just trying to up that percentage and, and lower the amount that can go wrong on, on deer, elk, antelope, you name it. Like I just want to execute clean shots and clean kills. This seems to be working for me right now, but, but, um, you can be good with anything out there. The one thing I will say with the releases, um, so whatever release you're using, make sure that thing isn't sticky. I find that my releases get sticky after carrying them around in the dirt and the dust or practicing them for, uh, with them for a while. Like you'll notice that they start, like the trigger starts getting a little sticky or a little tougher to pull. And it's, it's really not that noticeable. Like you could think everything's fine and go out hunting with it. And I think I have before. Um, but you just need such a crisp, clean trigger. Like I, I, um, right before season, like, um, I w I was starting to shoot and like my shooting was off and I noticed that my trigger was just getting a little sticky. Like it was a little tougher to pull. Maybe it wasn't as sharp, cleaned it up. I think I, um, some silicone, um, lubricant spray in there like some gun silicone based lubricant spray in there and man that thing's just clean and sharp and snaps but you guys check your releases like it's not something that you can really tell but a a sharp clean release makes all the difference in the world when executing in animals and makes all the difference on your grouping too it's just amazing and and um you know i like a stiff trigger i always have to where you have to pull 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 and aim hard at that animal I almost like to lessen my trigger a little bit for hunting. Like, 
um, you know, and I've never really sat on a on a buck or something and and you know waiting for my shot to break. Usually they break pretty quick, no matter what you're what you're doing. But like if that has any hold to it or any snag or any delay in your release, like it makes such a big difference in your accuracy. So make sure you clean up your release before hunting season. Make sure you lubricate it up with some silicone spray. Just make sure that thing is clean and crisp because you start getting out in the mountains and you get a little dirt and dust in it. Like, man, that thing just doesn't shoot the same. And so it's going to be a common habit and practice of mine now to clean my release before every single hunt. Um, I, I just think it makes such a, a big difference in accuracy. And it's it's one of those little things that, that isn't really talked about or, you know, you don't really read about or anything. But um, seriously, guys, check your releases before hunting season. Make sure they're they're clean and crisp. Um making your stocks on animals, man, a bedded animal just gives you such a high percentage stock, like, um, bedding those mule deer, it's just dang near night and day, you just know where they're at, you know they're not gonna move, and then I get in close, and like I've told you guys, make that buck, have that buck make that last move, and I've done that, every animal I've killed this year, I've let that animal make the last move, um, I wait for them to get up out of their bed and start feeding out of their bed, and then that's where I've made my play. So I can go back. My caribou, I, I had them bedded at 45 yards, had to wait for them to stand, start feeding, shot them. Uh, Nevada muley, I crawled in in the sage and, and got within my bow range. He stood up. I waited to draw my bow. That's another one. Like Patience kills a buck all the way around from start to finish, but you know, wait to draw that bow till they're not looking at you. Like A mule deer doesn't always see you when he's looking in your direction, and that Nevada buck, he stood up and he was looking right in my direction I didn't move a muscle and I waited and maybe a minute went by maybe 45 seconds and he turned and turned around and put his head down and then I'm able to check my range again one more time and draw back and just put up perfect shot on him um yeah same thing with that Colorado muley you know I'm 25 yards from him in his bed for three hours and then he finally stands up and feeds out and I take my shot um antelope wasn't that way but I did make the antelope make the the last move I got into 80 yards and then let those bucks just feed into me and then you know he finally gave me an opportunity a chance but let those animals make that last move because if you're trying to make the last move you're trying to to force the situation you're trying to come around that tree where you can get an angle on his body and now sometimes it works out where you work into range and you get a shot at him but for the most part like just let that animal make the last move and be patient in there and man it's a it's amazing what'll work out um so yeah be patient in the crunch and then you know I, I guess the the only other takeaway I have is just comparison is the thief of happiness like um there's a lot of quality guys killing big quality critters out there but we're all on our own journey and we all you know have our own opportunity and in in our own chance to to be in the mountains but don't lessen your experience because you didn't kill a 200 inch buck do you know how tough it is to kill a 200 inch buck with your bow it's probably one of the most sought after things out west like you just can't compare yourself to this upper echelon all the time and and sure, we all want to be there and we all want to kill giant critters, but our turn will come. If we keep putting in the work and we keep becoming better bow hunters, better at our stalking, better at our shooting, better at our scouting, better at finding new areas, like like our trophy critters will come. We'll get our day in the sun. Don't you worry about it. Like we just keep putting in the work. We're on our own path and our own journey. And in hunting is it's a lifelong passion and it's something that I'm continuing to improve at, you know, and I'm continuing to get better. But, but just make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm happy for these guys out there and, and I want to continue to be happy. And 
Like, like I've said that before, like I don't get caught into jealousy. Somebody kills a good buck. I'm really stoked for him. You know, no matter, no matter who it is, like I know they put in the work, but in that same breath, some, something was inside me a little bit, almost comparing myself to this. And I just got to let that go. Like I can't comparison is the thief of happiness. We're all on our own journey. Like be psyched for those guys. They put in the work. They, they have their day in the sun, but we'll have ours too. Um, we'll keep working hard, keep putting in our time and become the best bow hunters we can be in this best, this new age bow hunter, you know, that, that can solve these backcountry problems and, and come out successful. So, um, I'm, I'm super stoked. Can't wait for the rest of the season here, but those would be my takeaways from season so far. I got to cut this out. I'm already 110 minutes. I'm going to, uh, I don't want to lull you guys to sleep in two hours, but I, I just wanted to share some of my feelings and thoughts on these latest hunts. It's been an absolutely, uh, awesome, uh, in insane August, like I just had so many great bow hunting ventures, adventures, and and shared so many great hunts with friends, and then had success of my own. Like, um, man, I'm having fun. I'm really enjoying life to the fullest, and and I just can't wait for these next couple hunts and spending time with my family here and and uh, getting some responsibility and some work done. But uh, can't wait to chase Montana elk. I'm really excited for that one. But I know you guys have some good hunts coming up. Um, man, I, I wish you guys the best of hunting. Uh, you guys are doing all, you're putting in all the right work, you know, with the, um, you just with with gathering information through these podcasts, you can just shorten your learning curve so much and, and pick up so many tidbits and learn so much. And they, they, you know, there's so many great podcast hosts out there. So you guys are putting in the right work there. And I, I know you guys are shooting your bows and trying to become better and, and working out. And then, you know, you have these hunts planned and give it your all while you're in there. Um, leave it all on the field and uh, be surprised with what you come up with. So. Uh, thanks a bunch guys for all the support. Um, yeah, that's the episode. I'll, uh, check in with you guys next week.